the time of year of New Year's resolutions. So how many of you have made your New Year's resolution already for 2019? Okay, we have one. Um, please do not be discouraged because I looked it up and according to one website, you only have an 8% chance. <laughs> New Year's resolutions have an 8% success rate. So I thought instead of doing a New Year's resolution this year for the church, because why would you do that, right? Okay. We're going to go with a prayer. I think we stand a much better chance by offering a prayer. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to share my New Year's prayer for you. My New Year's prayer for you. And so as your pastor, not only am I privileged to pray for you, I'm also privileged to be the one to instruct you and to equip you. And so as I share your prayer or my prayer with you this morning, I'm going to also include a little bit of instruction and equipping along with it. So you might wonder, well, what is my prayer for you this year? My prayer is that you will be blessed in 2019. Blessed in 2019. Of course, you also know pastors well enough to know that they don't have short prayers. <laughs> so there's actually four parts to my prayer that I, we're going to kind of unfold this morning. And again, it's going to be coupled with the... Uh, the equipping as well. But before I launch into sharing the four parts of my prayer for you to be blessed in 2019, I want to answer the question, what does it mean to be blessed? You know, we have our own thoughts about that, what that might be. But I want to go with, with what someone else had stated, and because I really, if you look at it, I think it, it makes sense. It says, being blessed, and this is just simply put, being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. Being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. You see, I sincerely want each of you to have supernatural power working for you in 2019. So the first part of my prayer is that I pray that you will be blessed when you delight yourself in the word of God. That as you regularly read the Bible, you will learn to delight in it, that you will learn to crave it, to savor it, to really enjoy your time in the word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to read this from the message because I just think Eugene Peterson writes it so well. He says, Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we, will, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. See, when we make it a regular practice to be in the word of God, it will accomplish in, a, in us all that God would have it to do. It's not going to return void. We have a promise in God's word stating that. It will train us to live God's way, to make us everything that we're meant to be to guide us along the way. Now, how many of you have taken off across your yard, no security light on, no flashlight on, and tried to make your way to like a shed or something in the dark, pitch dark? 
you have a tendency to stumble along the way probably, right? Well, at least I sure have, okay? And that's kind of what it can be like for us without the word of God to walk this Christian path. We're going to stumble a whole lot more if we're not or if we're not in the word of God. The Bible sheds that light on our path as Psalm 119:105 says, "Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That's what Bible reading does for us. It, it redirects us. It shines that light on our path. It's been said, in a world of shifting loyalties, devious cons, and ever-evolving ideas, we need to know where our anchor for our souls is, where that light to our path is. We aren't diligent enough to analyze every counterfeit that comes our way, nor are we perceptive enough to expose every false philosophy Human rationalism is not equipped to establish eternal truth. And that's why we need help. Only God can point us in the right direction. Only he can shine the light on the path so that we don't stumble, at least not as much anyway. His word guides us and lights the way. The word of God is also the sword of the spirit, providing for us an offensive weapon against the enemy. If you'll recall, this is how Jesus defended himself when Satan had tempted him. He repeated truth from the scriptures. We can do the same. As we delight ourselves in the word of God, we arm ourselves with the sword of the spirit. Another blessing of delighting ourselves in the word of God is we develop our understanding of who God is. And the discovery, of course, that comes alongside that is understanding what promises he has for us in his word promises given to us as followers of jesus <clears throat> excuse me promises such as god will never leave us nor forsake us what do we learn about god he's faithful in that promise he's our strength what do we learn about god he's all-powerful so every promise that's in there helps us to understand more of who God is. He's our healer. He loves us unconditionally. Promises to enjoy, to be encouraged by, promises to hold on to as we grow in understanding of how amazing God is. Now many of you are already delighting yourself in the word of God. I, I know that. Very thankful for that. And so I just encourage you to to go even deeper in the word of God in 2019. But for others of you, this is going to be a little bit more of a new endeavor. And so I want to help you get started in being blessed through delighting yourself in the word of God. I want to share some insight in how to make that Bible reading a regular practice. I think first is to find a time frame that fits for you. If you're a person who needs three cups of coffee before you can even think an audible thought out loud, um, morning might not be the best time for you. Maybe evening is going to be better for you where that you're just at your attentiveness is, is just at its peak. Or maybe early morning before you get busy with your day. That, that might work for you. Or if you are a young mom, guess what? The bathroom might be the best place to hide out for an extended period of time because that's the only peace and quiet you might, and I say might, get. And so find a place that fits for you and that you can be consistent, or a time that fits for you that you can be consistent with. Then also find a place. 
one that offers few distractions or interruptions for at least 15 minutes, one that you can be, again, consistent with at the, for the most part. Maybe it's a coffee shop that just works for you. Maybe it's a, a study in your house or that comfy chair by the fireplace, whatever it might be. Find one that, that you can have that doesn't have distractions and interruptions. And then I think that what something else that's really key in developing um, a regular practice of reading the Word of God is finding a Bible translation that you can read comfortably. So I want to give you just a couple of quick examples on this um, with Joshua 1.8. Um, this is how it reads in the New King James Version. Or excuse me in the King James Version, not the New King, just, just the King James Version. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Some of you may have picked up that I didn't grow up with the King James version it's just it's not a comfortable read for me it might work for you it may be that you love the familiarity of it or the the poetry um or the poeticness of it you know by all means if that works for you stay with it keep reading it but if it leaves you feeling like you're slogging through a legal document with a lot of antiquated language it might not be a good fit for you and so i want to offer a couple of others that i think would work better and that is right here what we've done for the teens, is get New Living Translation Bibles for them. And that is usually um, what we have up on the screens on a Sunday morning as well. And so you'll read it in your Bible. You'll also see it on the screen. You'll hear it. And it is a translation that is written in very common English, today's type of language, and that might help you out. And so I just want to read that same verse, Joshua 1.8, in the New Living Translation to kind of help you see the difference. It reads, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. It just has a little bit more common language, and so that translation might fit better for you. Um, the other thing that I think is really important outside of a, a translation and finding one with common language that you can readily read is that there's various types of Bibles. Like, again, for the teens, we got a study Bible. It's going to help them apply the Word of God, just like it says, application, apply the Word of God to their everyday lives at a teen level. There's also adult application Bibles. Um, there's also study Bibles. Um, study Bibles are going to give you a little bit more of the historical context of the scriptures and help you that way. That was my first Bible. I enjoyed both the study Bible application. There's others too, but if I were to have to recommend one, I would go with a life application Bible to get started. Um, another thing that can help, which we're also incorporating this year, is devotionals. Um, it helps give you a little bit of an explanation plus also an application um, to the text that you read. And that's why we're excited about this year of having the 52 Greatest Stories weekly devotional um, because not only are we reading the devotional part of it, 
but it's also guiding us on where to read in the Bible as well. And then we can tie that all in and hear a message on it as well. And that's going to be a great challenge for me because you guys are going to have all this information and then I'm supposed to give you something on Sunday morning. So it's going to be kind of fun, um, but challenging. And so I, I pray that you'll take that up and, and we'll follow along in the scriptures. Um, I do have a great passion about getting people in the word of God that maybe has come out once or twice. Um, and so if you have questions of how you can get started, please don't hesitate in asking. I would be happy to help you in any way that I can. Um, I do believe Joshua 1.8 is, is absolute truth. Of course, all God's word is. But there is priceless value in studying this book and doing so continually, meditating on it day and night so that we will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will we prosper and succeed in all we do. I pray that you will be blessed in 2019 as you delight yourself in the word of God. The second part of my prayer is I pray that you will be blessed in 2019 when you deepen your prayer life. Now, some of you have, again, settled into a, a great prayer life. You discovered the joy of maybe praying in the, you know, using the word of God, or you just enjoy being outside and, and praying that way. If, you are, if you're there and, and you've been enjoying that now, great. But maybe this is the year where you go even deeper with God in prayer. And so I always want to present that challenge for even those that are already doing it. But maybe you're here and you're struggling with, how do I get started praying? Well, I've been there, so I understand what that's like. Sometimes it helps to know, well, what exactly is prayer? Again, in a simple form, prayer is a conversation with God. We speak to God, and we listen to God speak to us. That's the simplest form or explanation of prayer. Maybe for you just starting out, a little structure would be helpful I'm never going to give people the words to pray, but I'd like to at least give a little bit of instruction, a little bit of equipping. And so I want to share from Jesus' teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And we'll start with verse 9, and it'll be pretty brief, but I think it might help some people kind of get started. Jesus is instructing his disciples because they've come to him and said, Teacher, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus is saying this to his disciples. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What Jesus is doing here is he's not expecting the disciples to go back and now pray on their own. And this, these are the only words that they use as they pray. That's not what he's trying to do here. What he's doing is he's giving a framework for prayer. And so to briefly summarize Jesus' example, I offer this acrostic. And this comes from our pastor, Pastor Rod from down in the cities. And I just think it's a, a beautiful thing that we can just kind of tuck in our pocket and, and use in practical application. So acrostics, if you are not familiar, is you've got the letter pray, and now each letter represents something. 
So the P is for praise. Start off prayer with words of praise to God for who he is. And what that does, that praise positions us to pray. It's us acknowledging his greatness coupled with our dependency on him. And it produces a humble attitude in us. And so we want to start our prayer with praise. So P is for praise. The R is for repent. First John chapter 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. With a humble heart, we want to repent of any sin that we are aware of in our life. Because we don't want anything standing in the way of God hearing and answering our prayer. And so we want to repent. The A is for ask. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 read, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. We want to ask our Heavenly Father for what it is that we need. It might be for ourselves. It might be for someone else. But we want to remember that we ask with the right motives, that we ask within his will. So A is for ask. And then Y is for yield. Again, it's with a humble heart that we listen for what it is that God might say back to us. You know, if you think about being parents and how you long to be able to impart wisdom and insight to your kids, this is what God wants to do for us. He wants to impart his wisdom and his understanding, his knowledge to us as his heavenly children. And so with that, we want to yield to what his will is. We also want to yield to what his timing and, and his ways might be in answering our prayer. We know those to be perfect. And so why is for yield? So praise, repent, ask, and yield. It can certainly also be helpful as we, we pray to maybe have a list of those things that we're praying for. Maybe it's a list of people's names. Obviously, we put that in our bulletin um, every week as well. It might be a list of, of needs that you have, and so there's nothing wrong with having lists. Or you might just want to be telling God about your day. That's okay. God wants to hear from his kids, just like we as parents want to hear from ours. And so we can tell God about our day. That, too, is praying to our Heavenly Father. We also, I guess, want to keep in mind that we want to make sure that we're inviting the Holy Spirit to lead us in how we pray and what we pray for as well. It was absolutely wonderful having our kids home for Christmas, our sons and their families. And It would have really been odd if our kids would have stood outside our front door, knocking on the door, not walking in until we answered the door and invited them in. It would have been really odd. They're our kids. They know that they can just come on in. They're welcome. They can walk boldly in. It's their mom and dad's house. They, it's their house, too. Even as old as they get and they have their houses of their own, they're still welcome to walk boldly in. And that's how we, as followers of Jesus, should approach God in prayer. We should approach boldly. We've been given that privilege to do so. It doesn't mean we walk in with a demanding attitude. 
It doesn't mean that we walk in arrogantly, but it does mean that we can be bold as we approach God in prayer, as his sons and daughters, daughters and sons of the Most High God. We have been given the privilege to access prayer and to access our Heavenly Father boldly. I do want to say don't let any insecurity stop you from approaching God in prayer, from spending that time with him. Don't worry about your words. Again, we just invite the Holy Spirit to lead us. We don't worry about whether we're doing it right. Just remember, we pray to a perfect God, our Heavenly Father. He welcomes us to come boldly as his sons and daughters. As a church, we are going to have a week-long prayer focus. It may be in January. I'm still working out the dates and kind of being mindful of the weather and what it'll look like. But we want to uh, kind of start our church off in 2019, too, of praying together. And so we'll have a prayer list, and I'll give more information as that time draws nearer. But we're wanting to do that. But really, list or no list, structure or no structure, words or no words, I just encourage you with boldness, but yet humility, that you will approach your Heavenly Father in prayer and that you will be blessed as you deepen your prayer life in 2019. The next part of my prayer for you is related to a really important subject in the Bible. A subject with the Bible speaks to in more than 2,300 verses. A subject which is referred to more often than heaven, hell, salvation, or many other key doctrines of our faith. A subject that Jesus talked on in 16 of his 38 parables. It's been concluded that to have been given such attention in the Bible, it must be of great interest to God. But for some reason, even though it's included in 2,300 verses, this topic is often considered unspiritual. The topic is money. Yep. Now, I'm not going to go great length in talking about money this morning. Rather, the next part of my prayer for you is that you will be blessed as you tithe in 2019. And so to help you out with that, we're going to be sending out letters and envelopes with the amount that would, we would be expecting you to give based on your estimated income. Okay, I'm kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you were still tracking with me this morning. No, we are not. We are not doing that. <laughs> okay, we're not doing that. Now, if your ears just shut off because you just couldn't stand that, I'll just repeat. We are not going to send out letters with expectations of what you are going to give to the church. We are not doing that. <laughs> My prayer is that you'll be blessed as you tithe, though. And I'm confident that I'm praying in the will of God just as much on this third part of my prayer as I am on the first and the second. So in order to explain this part of my prayer for you as clearly as I can in the short amount of time that we have left this morning, I'm going to be using um, some of the teaching from Robert Morris from his book, The Blessed Life. And he does a great job of... of explaining and illustrating the blessed life of generous living. And if you get a chance, um, 
pick up that book. Um, you won't be disappointed. It goes well beyond, though, the starting point of tithing. And so I just want to start with what God says about tithing, this giving of 10% of our increase, because that's what the word tithe means, is 10%. Many Christians would assume that I would head to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and we're going to get there, but we're not going to start there. Others would think that I would turn to the law in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 20 through 22 through 26, but no, I'm not going there either. Because we aren't living under the law, we're living under grace, right? Okay. The reality, though, is tithing started well beyond the law. And so it doesn't stop with the law. It continues on. And so we could look all the way back to Genesis. If you'll remember Cain and Abel, Cain brought his offering to God, presented it. And his offering, we are told, was fruit from the ground. Just offering from his his crops. It says nothing in scripture that it was his first. And it says nothing in scripture that it was his best. Abel, on the other hand, brought the firstborn of his flock. He brought the tithe of the first fruit, the most perfect out of his firstborn. So, of course, Abel was commended by God, and Cain was not. Now, in Old Testament times, of course, most people were farmers. They raised animals and grew crops for their living. Increase came as crops were harvested and their livestock reproduced. Today, our increase comes from our wages or maybe our investments, and there's a few other things, but that's, that's pretty much it. But no matter where or how it comes, the word of God makes it clear that we are to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our increase. And so let me illustrate this. If I were to give you $10, 10 $1 bills, how much would the tithe be? $1. Okay, good. Now I'm going to ask, which one dollar is the tithe? The first one. Exactly. The first one. You see, when we tithe, it isn't that we're giving what's left over after we've paid our bills or after we've bought our groceries or after any other expenses that we have. We give to God first. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 reads, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. We are to give to God of our tithe. Verse 10 continues with the benefit of tithing. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. There will be blessing as we tithe. Now while it's okay that we give to other charities and ministries and people, we are told to give to the Lord's house first. Exodus chapter 23 verse 19a reads, As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. And what is today's house of the Lord? The church. The church. So as this passage suggests, tithing to the Lord's house involves honoring the Lord with our possessions and the first fruits of all of our increase. Tithing, of course, isn't a matter of how much wealth we have. It isn't a matter of the dollar amount that we give. 
It's really about our obedience, our trust, and the spirit in which we give. Do we give out of obedience or do we give out of what we have left? Are we demonstrating that we trust God? Because if we wait until after all the expenses are taken out, after the groceries are purchased, and then we give out of what God has given, has what we have left out of what God has given us, that's not really demonstrating that we trust him. And so he is testing us in this, and I'll talk just a little bit about that further on, but we want to give out of a heart that's trusting God, that he's going to provide those needs that we have, even if we give first. It's also giving with a heart of gratitude for all that he's done for us, giving with a cheerful heart, or to give our tithe first. Aligning our life and actions with the principle of tithing can't help but bring God's blessing. Oh, God has really helped Pat and I um, develop this, this principle in our lives. When Pat gets paid, a check goes out to the church first. Uh, you could see that in my check register. It's in the red box before the check even actually gets deposited down at the bank. That's just what we do. And my uh, compensation from the church, it gets tithed on, but the Assemblies of God Minnesota District is the one where the tithe goes for that. But it's just an automatic thing that we do. And we have been blessed because we have been obedient in giving first of our tithe. And I encourage you to to tithe as well and to see if God doesn't bless you too. In fact, this is the only area that God says, test me. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 reads, I told you we would get there. (laughs) It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I want you to be personally blessed. I do. I want God to open the windows of heaven for you, to pour out blessings so great that you don't have enough room for it. I pray that you will be blessed as you tithe in 2019. You know, on a side note, I'll just real quick on this, but I read that the latest statistic as far as the American church as a whole, that only 1.8% of people tithe. 1.8%. And, and I thought about that, and I couldn't help but wonder, is this why the American church as a whole is declining? I couldn't help but wonder, if this is why the American church isn't having the influence on our society and our culture. I sincerely want blessing for you, but I also want blessing for our church. And if we remember what blessing or being blessed means, that supernatural power working for us, wow, I want supernatural power working for us as a church. 
Because it's the only way that we're going to fulfill our vision of living out that all people matter to God and that Christ's message and ministry through the local church is the hope of the world. We won't be able to effectively do that mission or that vision under our own power. We just can't. We might be able to do good things, but we need the supernatural power working for us as a church. We need God's blessing. Throughout my studies, and I read again and again that tithing is a test from God, and again, I touched on this just a little bit earlier, but I do agree with it. It does test us on where we're putting trust. Are we trusting in God or are we trusting in our money? Scripture says we can't serve both. We have to choose. And I think how much better it is to let God be our master because his servants have peace of mind and security both now and forever. So may 2019 be the year that you test God in tithing and see him pour out his blessings on you and the church. Receiving blessings, of course, is not the reason that we tithe. It's just what comes because we do. We should be gladly giving God the first fruit of everything that he he gives us, everything that he blesses us with, but not out of compulsion and duty, but because we want to let him know that he's first in our lives. We want to give out of hearts of gratitude. And, of course, in the process, I, I look at our giving as more of investing because that's exactly what we do. When we give of our tithe, we are investing. We are investing in our youth. We're investing in our community. We are storing up heavenly treasures as well for us as we invest in God's kingdom work. And so I just encourage you to uh, test God in that this year. My personal experience is that God is always faithful in following with the blessings. It may not look like we think it should, but he is always, always faithful. So my prayer is that you will be blessed as you tithe. And then lastly, I pray that you will be blessed as you spend time with one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do I desire that every person be in church on every Sunday? Of course I do. Of course I do. It's a time for us to be encouraged. It's a time for us to be instructed. It is a time for us to worship God together. But I do believe that it's just as important for our encouragement to meet outside of a Sunday morning with one another as well. Because we can't get to know each other on a Sunday morning like we can when we take time intentional throughout the week. It might be going to a performance up at the Rife Center, as some of you do. Fantastic. Keep doing that. I know it has blessed many. It might be stopping by and visiting somebody in their home. Do that. That is important. You form those relationships. It might be in a Bible study. Great. Do that. But as we venture into the 52 Greatest Stories series for 2019, I would love for people to get together outside of a Sunday morning and talk about what it is that they're learning, what it is that they are reading, 
And maybe it's even going to be a couple of you starting small groups. Great. You don't have to wait until the church leadership says we're starting small groups. You can do that on your own, and I encourage you to do that because I think that we would be um, not only encouraging one another, we're going to be edifying one another. See, I do believe that there's a lot of different ways that we can apply Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I believe there are many ways that we can meet together and encourage one another, spurring one another on because we love each other, because Christ first loved us. And so I pray that you will be blessed as you spend time with one another. So there you've heard your pastor's prayer for you in 2019. I tried to keep it concise, but you know pastors, when they combine prayer plus preaching, it was going to be a little long today, so I appreciate your patience with it. But with that, I I just want to again say I am passionate about praying for you for lots of things, but 2019, I will be praying that you are going to be blessed as you delight yourself in the Word of God, that as you deepen your prayer life, as you tithe, and as you spend time together in fellowship, I am praying that God will bless you. I believe that God wants to do even greater things in and through you and this church as we move forward, and we need his supernatural power working for us to accomplish all that he wills for this community and beyond. And obviously, we want to do that for his glory and his honor. Well, every Sunday, we have the prayer team available for prayer, and we're going to have them available this morning. And so if you need prayer, encourage you to do that. One of the main things that the prayer team does is that they stand alongside someone in prayer. That's what they do. They just come alongside someone in prayer and agree with them, believing with them. There's power when we stand in agreement in prayer. And so this morning, as I close in prayer this morning, if you would like to agree with me as I pray for you to be blessed in 2019 for all those four parts of my prayer, if you want to agree with me in that, I just invite you to stand as I close in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. You have given us so much. And Lord, we want to grow even closer to you. We want to go even deeper with you in 2019. And that is my prayer for us as a church. Lord, that we would long to delight ourselves in your word, that we would receive blessing personally for that. God, I also pray that as we just draw deeper with you in prayer, that we will receive blessings there. Lord, as we give of our tithes out of a heart of gratitude, thankful for all that you have done, telling you through our tithe, we trust you to provide for everything that we need. You will pour out your blessing because you promised that, Lord. And Lord, I also pray that we would be encouraged as we gather together here on Sunday mornings, but all through the week, Lord, that we would be intentional about encouraging one another in our faith as we get together. So Heavenly Father, we just give this prayer to you, prayer of 2019 for the Church of Hill City Assembly of God. And Lord, you know my heart. Lord, how I earnestly want this church to be blessed. Lord, would you just take this prayer and would you answer it according to your ways, Lord, as I yield to you 
to answer it however you see fit, knowing that you know best, Lord. And we just thank you. 2019, I'm excited to see what you're going to do. We want to give you the glory and the praise in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.